This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new book, The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder, our guest today, Vincent Bugliosi, presents a meticulously researched legal case that puts Bush on trial in an American courtroom for the murder of nearly 4,000 U.S. soldiers sent under false pretenses to fight the war in Iraq. In his career at the L.A. County District Attorney's Office, Bugliosi successfully prosecuted 105 out of 106 felony jury trials, including 21 murder convictions without a single loss. His most famous trial, the Charles Manson case, became the basis of Helter Skelter, the biggest-selling true crime book in publishing history. Vincent Bugliosi, welcome to Weekly Signals. Well, I'm happy to be on the show, Nathan. How are you doing today? Uh, Well, I'm just starting the day. I go to bed late, around 2 o'clock. I've got interviews uh, throughout the day, so uh, I'm doing okay. I I had a cup of coffee to wake me up. Yeah, (laughs) good to hear that. Yeah. Now, Now, out of curiosity, this is crazy, but what kind of coffee do you drink? Uh... I think it's Maxwell uh-huh. instant okay. coffee. I'm, I'm not school. a connoisseur of fancy. <laughs> yeah, stuff, well, but, good for uh, you. Old school coffee. Now, as you're drinking your Maxwell House coffee, say three or four years ago, at what point did you, uh, in the Bush administration, did you come to the realization that Bush could be tried for murder? You know, when he first started uh, uh, talking about uh, going to war, 2003. 2003. Yeah, yeah, I was right in the middle of writing Reclaiming History, which is my magnum opus on the Kennedy assassination, uh-huh. which Tom Hanks is doing a 10-hour miniseries on it now for, for HBO. So I was right in the middle of that. I couldn't do it. But when he was talking about Hussein being an imminent threat, that was preposterous on his face. Uh, when you want to live as Hussein wants to live, or wanted to live, you do not attack the United States of America, nor do you help anyone do so. It, it was silly on its face. Uh, when I finished the, the book, uh, Reclaiming History, in early January, that's when I got into this uh, big time, and I started gathering evidence, because the, the whole notion that Hussein was about to attack us or have someone else attack us was just uh, insane on its face. And uh, I came up with some evidence that uh, uh, proves that George Bush took this nation to war under false pretenses, and therefore, under the law, he is guilty of the over 4,000 young American soldiers that have died so far in his war. Now, I say his war, Nathan and Mike, not your war or my war or America's war, but uh, uh, his war, and I do not want to let him uh, get by with this. One of the things that's been extremely uh, distur- uh, disturbing, uh, the thing that's the most disturbing, of course, is that he's responsible for all these murders, including, by the way, let's not forget, the over 100,000 innocent uh, Iraqi men, women, children, and babies who have died horrible deaths uh, because of his war. But one of the things that's really, really bothered me is that uh, I have overwhelming evidence in the book, including very telling photographs of Bush that people are talking about, that throughout the hell on earth that George Bush created in Iraq, and and with young American soldiers uh, who never had a chance to, uh, to live out their dreams, being blown to pieces by roadside bombs in Iraq, George Bush unlike any other president in our history during a time of war, has regularly and consistently had a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and enjoyed life to the very fullest. His terribly gross and insensitive behavior throughout the war has been nothing short of unbelievable, and I chronicle all of it uh, uh, in the book. People are telling me that 
they didn't think it was possible for, for them to have more contempt for George Bush uh, than they already had. Uh, but to their surprise, when they read the book, uh, that contempt has risen dramatically. I've even had some people with high blood pressure saying they can't read more than five or six pages of uh, the prosecution of George W. Bush uh, for murder without putting it down because they get so angry. And uh, it may sound presumptuous, Nathan and Mike, but I'm going to be candid with you. Uh, I can tell you I'm going after George Bush. Uh, I may not succeed, but uh, I'm not going to be satisfied until I see him in an American courtroom uh, being prosecuted for murder. Mm-hmm. And uh, although I don't have any clout myself, I've got the clout of uh, an emaciated moth, I'm going to be reaching out within a matter of days, uh, very, very soon, for a courageous prosecutor here in America, a state attorney general or a DA, who does have the clout to go after him. Mm -hmm. Uh, We cannot let him get by with this. Uh, He's responsible for well over 100,000 murders, and he's got to uh, be brought to to justice. Let let me ask you, and um, you've obviously done a lot of research on this, where... Uh, what are the sort of legal underpinnings uh, to this, uh, to bringing a case against a... Are you talking about bringing a case against a sitting president? No. Or once he's out of office? Yeah, once he's out of office. Right. He's got temporary immunity now right. while he's in office. Right. But uh, the U.S. Constitution, uh, and this goes all the way back to the Federalist Papers in 1787, Alexander Hamilton, clearly says that once a president leaves office, he can be prosecuted uh, uh, criminally in, in a regular court of law, for any crimes he committed uh, during his presidency. So there's no question that once he leaves office, uh, he is vulnerable to a prosecution like anyone else. Uh, Nixon, uh, when he resigned in 1974, there was a demand from many, many Americans to prosecute him for crimes. I forget all what they were, but they were crimes like obstruction of justice, subordination of perjury, wiretapping. And then that's the precise reason why Ford intervened, obviated the whole thing by granting him a pardon. So he's, he's going to be vulnerable uh, once he leaves office. What, one big point about uh, the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder, although millions uh, of harsh, very, very critical words have been said and written about George Bush over the past seven years, none of which, by the way, uh, he could possibly have cared less about. So the words are absolutely meaningless. Uh, up to now, other than talk, No one has done anything, anything at all, against George Bush. But in my book, I put together a case against him that could result in his being prosecuted for first-degree murder in an American courtroom. I set forth the legal architecture for the case against him, uh, the overwhelming evidence of his guilt, uh, and the jurisdiction to prosecute him. I mean, I even set forth how I would cross-examine him if he took the witness stand at his trial. Uh, If justice means anything in America, Nathan and Mike... And if we're not going to forget about these 4,000 soldiers who came back from America, I mean, came back from Bush's war, uh, back to America, uh, in a box or a jar of ashes, I say we have no choice but to bring murder charges against the son of privilege uh, from Crawford. I'm completely in your corner on this, but if I were defending George W. Bush, I would defend him on what he appears to be saying right now, that he had faulty intelligence. Let me ask you this question. Let's assume for the sake of argument that Hussein had uh, more weapons of mass destruction than China, Russia put together, okay? Let me ask you this question and see what your answer is. So what? (laughs) Do you have any answer to that? He embodied a threat to the United States. Right, right, right. The whole whole issue is not weapons of mass 
okay. destruction. Yeah. Uh, Britain has them, Pakistan, China, Russia. We're not going to war with them, are they? Yeah. The whole issue, and this is what went over the head of Americans when he was talking about going to war, is not whether a nation has weapons of mass destruction. That's completely uh, irrelevant. The whole issue is whether a nation which has weapons of mass destruction is an imminent threat to the security of this country. And uh, the evidence is overwhelmingly clear that not only wasn't Hussein an imminent threat to the security of this country, but George Bush knew uh, that it was not. Now, if we have time to get into the evidence, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you some of it. Are you interested in some uh, of the yeah, evidence? And, and, Absolutely. And Vince, Vince, I just want to say, uh, I'll remind our listeners that we're speaking with Vincent Bugliosi, and the book is The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. I will, I'll make one uh, further point, and that is he wasn't even considered a threat to the surrounding nations. No, of course not. So, uh, so uh, it was, uh, it's not. obviously No one was talking about his yeah. being a threat, even the, the endlessly reprehensible uh, Rush Limbaugh. No one but no one but no one was talking about going to war in Iraq, uh, 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 not going to work, invading Iraq, but George Bush. He started it all. Let me just give you one piece of evidence, and my book is full of evidence against Bush, showing that he absolutely knew there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And you put your best mind uh, to work here now and see if at the trial you could come up with any possible defense to this. January 31st, 2003, less than two months before Bush ordered the invasion of Iraq on the rationale that Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, and therefore, and therefore, he was an imminent threat to the security of this country. He meets in the Oval Office uh, with British Prime Minister Tony Blair and with six of their top aides, including Blair's chief foreign policy advisor, David Manning. After the meeting, Manning prepared a five-page memo stamped, quote, extremely sensitive, unquote, summarizing for Blair, who was at the meeting, what was said at the meeting. He wrote that Bush and Blair expressed their doubts that any weapons of mass destruction would ever be found in Iraq. But it gets much, much, much worse. He said that Bush was so worried about the failure of the U.N. inspectors to find weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that he talked about three possible ways, Manning wrote, to, quote, provoke a confrontation with Hussein, one of which, Bush said, was to, quote, fly U-2 reconnaissance aircraft over Iraq, falsely painted in United Nations colors. And if Hussein fired on them, Bush said, he would be in violation of U.N. resolutions, and that would justify war. So here we have Bush telling the American people, telling the world, that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country, so we had to strike first in self-defense, but behind closed doors, this very small man, Bush, was talking about how to provoke Hussein into a war. The last person in the world whom someone acting in self-defense would try to provoke is the person he is in deathly fear of, the person who he thinks is about to kill him. If Bush actually felt, which he was telling the world, that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country, which was the main basis for going to war, Obviously, the thought of provoking Hussein into a war would never, ever, ever have entered his mind. Now, I don't know if you realize what I just told you, but what I just told you is that alone, what I just told you shows that George Bush took this nation to war on a lie, and therefore all the killings of American soldiers in Iraq were unlawful killings, and therefore murder. If I called Manning to the witness stand at Bush's trial and had him testify to that, and by the way, the Bush administration has never questioned the authenticity of the Manning memo, what would the defense say? What would Bush say? That he didn't say these words? 
Is that what he's going to say? Well, what other reason would Manning have to write that memo? Why is he going to lie? Yeah. And it, and if he did lie, I mean, if Bush did lie, uh, there goes out there goes his defense because I can tell you, overlooking the legal issues like malice of forethought, uh, vicarious liability, express malice, implied malice, I can tell you that the key central overriding issue at Bush's trial, and I, I know a little bit about murder cases. <laughs> The key issue at, at, at Bush's trial would be whether or not he took this nation to war in self-defense. His allegation that uh, it was a preemptive strike, uh, uh, Hussein yeah. had weapons of mass destruction, yeah. so we had a, a strike first in self-defense. If he can prove that, then he's got a defense to the charge against him of first-degree murder. If he cannot prove that, and the prosecutor can prove that he took this nation to war under false pretenses, then all of those killings in Iraq become unlawful killings, and he's guilty of murder. Well, let me ask you, let's, I want to flip the question a little bit. Obviously, the United States was able to uh, get the U.N. to pass a resolution which gave them the veneer of credibility. Right, right. right. What, was the, what was the basis? I can't remember, and this is horrible to say, I can't remember exactly the basis of this resolution which allowed the U.S. to go in and authorize the use of force uh, what did it say in the, do you remember or do you know what you, the Yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I got it, I, I quoted in the book here, yeah. whether I can find it right away, okay. I, I don't know, but, um, but let's see here, uh, okay, here, well, I mean, here, that, here, here it is, okay. Well, you, you've raised another issue here uh, inadvertently. One of Bush's defenses at the trial um, would be that, hey, how can you prosecute me for murder on October the 11th, 2002, Congress, by the resolution, authorized me to go to war? It's crazy. Uh, they authorized me. How can you prosecute if you murder? The only problem for George Bush is that it's boilerplate law that fraud vitiates consent. Fraud negates consent. Mm -hmm. Any consent induced by fraud is not valid. And there is no question, and I have the evidence, I have the documentary evidence, that Bush not only defrauded the American people into believing that Hussein was an imminent threat, he defrauded Congress, so that goes out the window. I'll tell you the basis for the war. Here it is right here. The resolution read, quote, The president is authorized to use the armed forces of the United States as he determines to be necessary and appropriate in order to defend the national security of the United States against the continuing threat posed by Iraq. In Bush's report to Congress on March 19th, the day the war began, he spoke of nothing else but Hussein's weapons of mass destruction and our national security. There wasn't even a hint or mention of any other motive for war other than that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country. So it was all about that. Uh, let me just give you, um, let me just, just give you something else to, uh, to firm up what I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. yeah, if we have time. How much time do we have? Oh, go ahead. Uh, go we ahead. have, we about, have about ten, ten minutes. minutes. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. all right. And I have much, much more uh, in this book. I mean, you know, I have a reputation as a prosecutor. I think I have credibility in the criminal law. At this stage of my career, I'm not about to engage in fanciful reveries. If I didn't think I had a lot of evidence to prove Bush's guilt and that I was standing on very firm legal ground, I never in a million years would be proposing what I'm uh, proposing. In Bush's first speech to the nation on, on Hussein in Iraq, October 7, 2002, Cincinnati, Ohio, he told the American people that Hussein was a great danger to our nation, either by Hussein attacking us with weapons of mass destruction or by his giving these weapons to some terrorist group to do so. And he said that this attack could happen, quote, 
on any given day, unquote, meaning the threat was uh, uh, imminent. The only big problem for Bush is that on October the 1st, just six days earlier, the CIA sent Bush its 2002 National Intelligence Estimate, a classified top-secret report that represented the consensus opinion of all 16, all 16 U.S. intelligence agencies on the issue of whether or not Hussein was an imminent threat. And on page 8 of the report, it clearly and unequivocally says, and by the way, Nathan and Mike, what I'm about to tell you uh, has never appeared, uh, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, has never appeared in any major newspaper or magazine in America. Why? I don't know. The report clearly and unequivocally says that Hussein was not, let's underline the word not, was not an imminent threat to the security of this country, that he would only be a threat to us if he feared that America was about to attack him. In other words, Hussein would only be a threat if he was forced to fight in self-defense. So we know then, we're not talking about thinking, we're talking about knowing, that when Bush told the nation on the evening of October 7, 2002, that Hussein was an imminent threat to security of this country, he was telling millions of unsuspecting Americans the exact opposite of what his own CIA was telling him. And as with the, Memming, uh, the uh, Manning memo, if we had nothing else at all, and there's so much more in my book, this alone shows that Bush took this nation to war on a terrible lie. And again, therefore, all the killings of American soldiers in Iraq were unlawful killings and murder. And it gets worse. Yeah. On October 4th, just three days after the October 1st, 2002 classified report, Bush and his people had the CIA issue an unclassified summary version of the classified report so they could release this unclassified version to Congress and the American people. And this unclassified version came to be known as the white paper. It was 25 pages. The other one, the other class, the classified report was 91. And in this white paper that was shown to Congress and the American people, the conclusion of U.S. intelligence that Iraq was not an imminent threat to the security of this country, listen to this, was completely deleted. This is the document that goes out to the American people and to Congress. Every single one of these all-important words were taken out. And my question is, how evil, how perverse, how sick, how criminal can Bush and his people be? Yet unbelievably, and there's no other word for it, up to this point, up to the point of my book, they have gotten away with all of this, and over 100,000 human beings are presently uh, uh, in their graves. I don't like to see anyone get away with murder, even one murder. You know, Simpson, O.J. Simpson, got away with two murders. And I wrote a book, Outrage, The Five Reasons Why O.J. Simpson Got Away with Murder. I was so angry with that verdict of not guilty, I could have eaten nails. See, nails. So you can imagine how I feel about Bush getting away with over 100,000 murders, and on top of it, uh, having a ball smiling throughout the whole thing. And you don't have to take my word for this. Bush himself uh, has shown no hesitancy in saying things like this. And as I tell you these things, Mike and Nathan, try to imagine Roosevelt, Truman, uh, LBJ, Nixon, during their respective wars, saying things like this. This is George Bush, right in the middle of all the horror and the hell on earth he created in Iraq. Laura and I are having the time of our lives. Uh, I'm going to have a perfect day. I'm in a great mood. I'm feeling pretty good about life. 
Uh, Nathan and Mike, even if the only thing that George Bush was guilty of was taking this nation to war on an innocent mistake, not murder, as I allege, uh, with all of the horror and the death and the suffering he has caused, what type of a monstrous individual is it who could be happy with his life? So I'm going after him. Yeah, well, good for you. I, yeah, good for you. I, I feel like this presidency has been a kind of Potemkin village from the very beginning, and uh, it, uh, it it gets worse. I, I want to ask you, based on what the obvious uh, reaction, I'm sure, from a lot of people has been to seeing the title of your book, and uh, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of reactions, but I'm curious about the reaction within sort of what we call the mainstream press. How, what has the reception been? Have you had any trouble getting... Uh, getting some uh, people to to interview you. I uh, just as an aside, I was told by a, a leading national correspondent to a network that uh, that the, the networks won't touch you because they'll talk to you about Helter Skelter, they'll talk to you about O.J. Simpson, but they will not talk to you. about Absolutely. This book. Okay. Let, let me brief, briefly summarize. Uh, I had a very difficult time getting this book published. I, I mean, I've had three books. Number one, New York Times. I've never had trouble getting the book published. It's something I don't even think about. I had to actually fly back to New fly back to New York City, knock on doors. Uh, I could not get the book uh, published. Uh, the publishers seemed to be sympathetic with what I was saying. They recognized the marketability of the book. The book's already a bestseller, uh, but they said some, some things to me like this, uh, Mr. Bugliosi, are you sure you want to publish this book? Uh, one of them put it right down in black and white. Too hot to handle. I finally got uh, a publisher. Next step is audio. That's an automatic. I never would think about it in the past. Reclaiming history with, with, was with uh, Simon & Schuster. I, it was just an automatic thing. My, my, edit, my agent calls me, Vince, we cannot get uh, an audio company in America to do uh, the book. Uh, we ended up getting uh, uh, the British Broadcasting Company to do it. We had to go outside of America. We're doing a, a documentary for the big screen based on my book. The producers could not raise one dime in America for this uh, uh, documentary. The money had to come in uh, from Canada. The mainstream media, for the first time in my career, uh, with, with every other book, I started out in New York City uh, on a morning show or in other national shows, and then started traveling around the country. This book here, I have yet to appear on national tele- television. No one will have me on national television. I've yet to do one national TV show for this book for the first time in my entire career. They do not want to talk about Bush being prosecuted for murder. It's okay for him to put 100,000 precious human beings in their cold graves right now as I'm talking to you, but it's not okay for me to talk about bringing him to justice. But they're not going to silence me, obviously, uh, with no national coverage at all, and the book only being out for about 10 days. This coming Sunday, it's already going to be on the national bestseller list at number 14, uh, which is a very low figure for me, but my publishers at Vanguard Press say, Vince, this is astonishing. You haven't had any national exposure, and you're already at number 14. I think the book's going to go up to number one, but they will not have me on. Well, that that would be the weekly signals effect if it went up to number one. <laughs> yeah, for you. Well, no, no, no you're helping me. You're yeah. helping me, and I deeply appreciate it. Yeah. You're you're helping me uh, get this message out that this guy here took this nation war on a lie. He's a murderer, 
and he's enjoyed himself throughout the whole war, and we've got to bring about justice. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask a quick question, uh, given if we can't get justice here in the United States, do you see a prospect of an international, an ICC coming into play on, on something like this? And I know Nathan has another question for you, but do you see something from outside the U.S. No, taking no, place? Okay. no. Um, okay. uh, the United States was not a signatory nation to the ICC in its that started uh, uh, in Rome uh, in 2002. Uh, and since it's not a signatory nation, um, the ICC, International Criminal Court, could not proceed against Bush. Other reasons why they couldn't do it, and I talk about the whole thing in the yeah. book, but Bush can only be brought to justice, if at all, in an American courtroom uh, here in the United States. Uh, let's let it Let's leave it up to a jury, an American jury, to hear the evidence and decide whether Bush is guilty or not guilty of murder. And if they find him guilty of murder, it'll be up to them to decide what the appropriate punishment should be, one of their options being the imposition of the death penalty, the other options being life imprisonment or life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Now, do you see uh, Dick Cheney on the witness stand? Absolutely not. not just, no, he doesn't have to take the witness stand at a criminal trial. Okay. But in the convening of the grand jury uh, and taking a testimony, obviously we'd, uh, we'd issue uh, get indictments against Bush, uh, Cheney, Rice, uh, and possibly, because we'd be taking testimony, Rove, Rumsfeld. I have a sense about Powell that his only sin uh, uh, is weakness. Let me briefly tell you uh, uh, about the issue of uh, jurisdiction. Uh, If someone were to ask me whether this is going to happen, I'd be candid and say there's no high probability, but there's a substantial possibility that he's going to end up in an American courtroom. Why? because of the great number of prosecutors in America that I've established jurisdiction for in my book. On a federal level, we're only talking about one prosecutor, the Attorney General in Washington, D.C., operating through his Department of Justice. But on a state level, uh, and we're going to be reaching out to these people very, very soon, in a matter of four or five days. On a state level, I've established jurisdiction uh, for the Attorney General in each of the 50 states, plus the hundreds of of district attorneys and counties within those states, to prosecute George Bush for the murder of any soldier or soldiers from their state or county who died fighting Bush's war uh, in Iraq. And with the great number of prosecutors we're talking about here, I don't even know how many. There's 50 uh, attorney generals, of course, but how many DAs, uh, we don't know uh, at this point. With all these prosecutors out there and with the tremendous amount of evidence that I have of Bush's guilt, it's not unreasonable to believe uh, that at least uh, that there's at least one courageous prosecutor in America, maybe many more, who's going to step forward and say, "Hey, this is the United States of America. In America, no man is above the law. The evidence of Bush's guilt is clear. So uh, I'm going to go after him and bring about justice for the American people. And let's not forget that there's no statute of limitations for the crime of murder. So Bush will never know five, ten years from now where there's some." aide is going to tap him on the back as he's having fun at his Crawford Ranch and say, you know, Mr. President, there's a, this, this prosecutor up in uh, uh, North Dakota. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Pilosovic or something like that. Mr. President, he's charging you with murder, and we're due in Fargo Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock for the arraignment. I'm going to put that thought in his mind that he's going to take with him to his grave. That's the least that I can do for the uh, well over 100,000 people that died horrible, violent deaths because of this man. Well, Vincent Bugliosi, you've said the, the exact right thing. No person is above the law in the United States of America. Thank you for being here on Weekly Signals. We truly appreciate you being here. I appreciate it so much, sir. Thank you. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, 
or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And this is Weekly Signals. Weekly Signals.